the Pedal Steel Podcast. everybody welcome to episode 12 of the pedal steel podcast my name is brian dast your host and uh this month we have one of our local portland pedal steel guys uh christopher Wojtak. um he's got a little bit of a different take on the instrument than i think a lot of people which was why i thought it would be an interesting conversation and i was correct uh he comes from a jazz background among other styles he plays an interesting tuning and his whole kind of outlook on the instrument, I think, is uh, a little bit different. And uh, I think you'll enjoy the interview. We also have a product review, a new string company out of Nashville called String Joy. I tested a set of their strings. Uh, I left them on my steel for three months. And we're going to hear a before and after and see if, uh, see if you guys can hear the difference after three months of pretty solid playing. Also wanted to let you know, we have some cool episodes coming up. I recently got to talk to Paul Franklin. Uh, We chatted for over two hours. So I'm going to break that up into two separate episodes, and those will be coming out soon, I promise. And uh, you won't have to wait months and months for those. (laughs) I've got them. I've got them uh, ready to go. I'm just working on uh, editing and cleaning everything up and packaging that into two separate episodes. So those will be coming soon. Let's check out the interview with Christopher. Behind the Bar. Okay, we're here today with Christopher Wojtak, a composer, jazz guitarist. He's also a professor at Western Oregon University. He's played with many nationally and internationally known artists, including Bernadette Peters, Rich Little, Hank Roberts, Bob Mover, Tony Monaco, Mel Brown, and John Stoll. He regularly performs throughout the Pacific Northwest and at jazz festivals in the U.S. and Canada. So, you're a jazz guy. I'm a jazz guy. Well, actually, I'm a, a anything anybody will pay me to do guy. Yeah. Well, <laughs> but but I yeah, my focus is definitely jazz. So we had met a few years ago. Um, I actually don't remember where we first crossed paths. Was it at a jam? I. Th- I think we probably sort of met on the forum, but then, yeah, we we met for real. Uh, Pete introduced us, Pete Burak did, at the Steel Jam. Cool. And then I had come over to your place because we were nerding out on some gear because you had got the Avid 11 rack. That's right. Which I now own and have been using heavily for two or three years. And a fantastic Love that unit thing. it is. Yeah. It's the greatest thing. Now, you had a problem with yours. Did you get it back? Uh, yeah, mine is mine is all good. Um, I don't. I no longer use it for the pedal steel. Oh. I use it for the non-pedal, and I use it um, a lot with uh, with the Tele and and other sort of you know electric guitar applications. And the only reason I don't use it for the steel was uh, I didn't like the way I was amplifying it. And I ended up getting uh, an amp that I love so much. Which amp is that? Uh, that's a Talonix. Ah, okay. TCA cool. 500. Yeah. With a 15. Nice. Oh, my God. What an incredibly good amp that is. And it also works great for archtop guitar, as it turns out, which is very unusual. 15s sound terrible with guitars. Yeah. To, to my taste. So you use it for both? I use it for both. And... 
Well, okay, so we've gotten right into gear talk, so let's just go with it. Okay. So <laughs> what's in your chain? Um, like, what are you using for effects and stuff? Oh, yeah, okay, so I use, uh, let's see, I have a Talonix volume pedal. I use the, just about everyone uses the the Peterson strobe tuner. I have an Eventide H9, which mm-hmm. is a, a multi-effects unit, but it looks like a stomp box. And it has bits and pieces from all their stuff. Yeah. So lots, I use that for things like um, either really weird sounds or um, things like phase shifters and such. Cool. Fantastic. And then uh, in the rack of the TCA, I have a... Um, Oh, right, uh, the because lexicon. the way that's designed, it's a combo amp, but it has a rack space. But it has a rack space. Cool. And what I a great went, idea. Yeah, and I originally used my, um, I had a Lexicon MXPX1 or MXP, I always forget which, what it is, uh, you know, that's, that's pretty wild, you know, with lots of different effects. And it, it, the out from that isn't, it really needs to be stereo. It isn't happy, and I tried everything from the, you know, the Y cables and such. But so I ended up moving down, and I got uh, um, Talonix to send me uh, the Lexicon 200, which they have programmed with a bunch of of things they think are good steel programs. Oh, cool! Including a bunch that says DW, and that means that they did it for David Wright. Um, and those are actually like my favorite ones. And I mostly, I mostly just use that for uh, delay and verb, and then I use the H9 for this way light extra delay plus any other gooey stuff I want. So you run two delays at the same time? I do, and uh, but the uh, I have the delay on the Lexicon backed off pretty far mm-hmm. and I have the delay on the H9 backed off but it creates you know what are what are they doing differently just set to different uh, uh it's just the, the it's really the tone the delay that's on the H9 it, it has got other stuff um and what that other stuff is I mean without looking at it I said it so long ago but it has some other kinds of sounds involved with it. So it just kind of colors the sound, but it doesn't, you don't really hear it as a delay if you hear it by itself. That's really cool. It's kind of like a subtle layering of effects in order to, That's exactly to not be like, is. that's kind of what I really like. I, I use the Strymon uh, El Capistan yes. pedal, which is like yeah. a tape delay, a very detailed tape delay simulator that I've reviewed on the podcast. Um, and I like using the multi-head setting because I can have it do basically a multi-tap delay, and then I can set the mix a little bit lower. And what it ends up sounding like, instead of it, instead of every note kind of repeating yeah. like that, it kind of creates this kind of wash. That And because it's got different delay times working together, it it blends into the reverb better. That's kind of what my my situation is. You can, if I turn up... The um, the effects loop on the Talonix amp is amazingly good, and it has something that every amp should have, which is an effects loop wet and dry knob. Yeah, 
why doesn't everyone have that? But don't how many know. amps don't? I know. Most I love that the, the 11 has it. So yeah, it's so much easier. And then you can just go, er, 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 depends on where you are. If I turn that up just a little bit, then you can really hear the delay on the lexicon. And, and, uh, and sometimes that's kind of neat. Sometimes it's annoying, you know, to like hit a, hit a short chord and have it go good afterwards. Yeah, yeah. And, um, it's really more verby than, but with that little bit of delay, I just think it makes a lovely sound. Yeah. Well, we're kind of working backwards from amp through the effects chain. So let's talk about your steel. Yeah. So my steel is a MSA, uh, 2011 Studio Pro, uh, single 12, tuned uh, to B-flat 6, and it's uh, the last Copedon that Reese Anderson used. Uh, um, and he, you know, he went ahead and set it up with what he was using at the time. Yeah. And so Reese was kind of a, a mentor of yours. Yeah, I studied with him pretty soon after I got a steel because I realized that if I didn't get a teacher, I was in big trouble. And I had just got on the forum. When, started, when was this roughly? So this is like 209 maybe, I think, is when I got a steel. Okay. And, and I didn't know anything. I just got the one I thought I could afford that was on eBay, and it turned out to be an MSA 12, single nice. 12. And it was set up, I believe, to extended E9. And I quickly realized, I'm like, well, this is cool, but I, I, there's something I want to hear more. And then I started reading on the forum about this thing called universal tuning. And I'm like, oh, so you can make those big chords, and yeah. this is how you do it. Okay. And I, I put up a post, and I got a message uh, from a guy, Jack um, Schultz is his name, Oki Schultz. And uh, he lives in Texas. And he said, hey, look, uh, this universal tuning, this, it, it, it was the you know, E9B6 universal tuning. There's a guy right near me who is the greatest teacher in the universe. His name is Reese Anderson. And you should get in touch with him. He can help you figure out, you know, uh, how to add extra pedals to the thing you have and which ones to choose in what order. And I mean, and I am green as grass, so I don't know any of this stuff. So I'm okay. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, in fact, I talked to him the, one of the only new year's eves. I didn't have a gig, um, over the past 20 years, I called him up and we talked for new year's Eve. We talked steel guitar. Nice. Um, anyway, he gave me Reese's number, and I called Reese, who's as always super friendly, super helpful. And he helped me decide what three pedals, you know, which is what I figured out I could probably afford to add to it. So I had a six pedal. Um, and uh, I got turned on to Lynn Stafford, who you know, yeah. um, and said, Hi, Lynn, you know, can you? can you do this work for me? And he says, sure. And he did a great job. And so then I had, so I have this, this E9. And in, in, in this period, um, Pete Burak, another one of our local buddies, he just called me up out of the blue. He figured out where, I don't even know how he got my phone number. And <laughs> said, hey, man, <laughs> you know, I hear, you, you know, I need any help, I'll help you. I'll come over to your house. I'll show you stuff. And he was just, he's been... Huge in my life. 
And um, so I finally set up with Reese to go and uh, get a lesson from him. And I was, so I flew to Dallas, and he actually had an instrument set up basically with my tuning wow. waiting for me there to play. And, and I did, and he showed me stuff. And then after playing for a while, I realized that I was spending all my time with the knee lever over into the sixth mode. Mm-hmm. And I don't like the locking knee lever thing. I don't like that locking thing. Uh, it's a personal taste of mine. So I, I called up Reese and said, look, Reese, I think I, I have a little extra money. It doesn't happen in the music world much. And I think I'm ready to get in my own guitar, a new guitar. And I see no reason why it shouldn't be some kind of six tuning because I don't really care that much about this E9 tuning. I want the ability to do it, but it's not really where my heart is. And he said, I won't say this to too many people, but for you and the way you think about music, I think you should try my B-flat six tuning. And I said, heck yeah, I'm in. So the first question would be, why a B-flat 6 instead of, you know, a C6? Um, that is a really good question. And uh, oddly, I never asked Reese that. And David Wright knows the answer to that question. And he once put up something like, who knows why this is B-flat 6? And people tried to answer, and he's like, nope, that's wrong, you know. And then <laughs> I never really got a straight answer out of him. So, the, however... Certainly, um, for me, what's useful is it puts all the um, big spots, you know, the, the fret marker spots, in places that are very common for the music I play. Most, you know, most jazz music uh, is in horn keys, right. quite, you know, not all of it, but quite a bit of it. And um, so to have those horn keys all be in happy spots, you know, the... the the 24th fret, the 5th fret, yeah. the 7th fret are all... It's just pleasing to that OCD thing in, uh, in the brain. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes, nicely put. <laughs> yeah, it makes it just clearer to see what's going on. Um, now, I, I'm not saying that's why he chose that, but that is certainly true for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so I got, I got his... The tuning I have is... Um, He's had, there's several versions of the B-flat 6, and uh, even more than in the uh, E9-B6. There, there's very, very non-standard. Uh, David Wright and Junior Knight, who are also uh, very strong B-flat 6 players, uh, I think they have it, I, I know for sure they have more of the regular E9 type stuff on there mm-hmm. than I do. I have some. I have an A pedal, a B pedal, um, the lever that uh, takes get, puts it into E flat nine. You know, so it gives me the chromatic string and a few other things. Cool. Um, but yeah, the original idea of the the B flat six tuning. They didn't have anything that was on the E9, and and everything is done backwards. So, you know, uh, if you press the A B pedals, you are in sixth mode. I mean, it is a a six, a six right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, if you start with that as your basic tuning, you go the opposite direction. 
to uh, so okay. in other words, the notes start already pedals down. Interesting to go to pedals up. That it's would totally mess me up, man. Yeah, I, I feel like I'm so deep in the E9 world that even thinking about that makes my head hurt a little bit. Yeah, I understand. <laughs> I understand. Well, you know, I just did. Um, it was interesting. I did a recording. Uh, I was talking to you about this earlier for some friends of mine, and they wanted a, you know, not completely non-traditional steel part, but with with some big jazz chords in it as well. For he stopped loving her today, the George Jones classic, and it was just me, and I was playing to a track of uh, upright bass playing a very simple part, and the singer. And that's so yeah. I was the so all doing, the harmonic, oh, yeah, yeah. so which was great because that meant I could add some some gooey chords, and as long as it didn't clash with the singer, I was in good shape. But I could still get a lot of those those you know little little weepy sounds that you want to hear, and I didn't touch my A B pedals the whole time. Hmm. I, I I used nothing but. Uh, you know, probably from pedal five up to eight. I mean, which which are a little non-standard from, but some of them are the same, like on a C6. And um, and it it's really amazing how much straight-ahead country you can play. And I, I made me realize that on a C6 guitar, you could play tons of straight-ahead country, and if you approach it the right way, no one would even know. Yeah. You know, doesn't have all the changes, maybe. Right. Like, yeah. I think you, I bet you would feel without your uh, E to F lever, you might feel a little naked, right? Or, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. So I have to, I can get that, but I have to do it a different way. So when I go, you know, like all of us, I'll get a, a book or, um, a DVD or something, you know, teaching you how to do different stuff on the steel. And I've had to, the entire time I've been playing, one way or another, I've had to constantly be translating these books. Right. And and the good news is, I think that actually helps. Like I think that's helped make my brain. Yeah. Well, it's a better. musical exercise. Yeah. You yeah. really have to say, okay, now I need to do this, this, and this. Now I've also, I mean, to be fair, I've been playing. Um, I've been playing guitar for over forty years. Mm-hmm. And I've been playing jazz about 30 of those years. So my brain in the theory mode, you know, works pretty good. Um, so I'm able to figure this stuff out without a lot of pain. But it's still, I mean, you know, I had a, a sheet of graph paper about three feet tall of <laughs> like going, no, it's enough. I do this and I, you know. Yeah. Um, I don't have to do that anymore. I just usually read off of... Um, you know, I just get sheet music and yeah. do it that way. Well, that's good as a strong reader, you know, to be able to do that stuff and to do it for yourself and not have to rely on someone else tabbing it out for you. Yeah, <laughs> it's and and it's so yeah, it's so much easier for me. Um, I it's actually really annoying for me with tab because they're always for a different instrument right. or a different set of things. Right. So I have to constantly be going through and saying, okay, what's the actual pitches here? Yeah. So I can translate them to my instrument. Totally. I think one of the, the best uh, 
exercises someone gave me when I was first starting out was I was taking lessons from a guy named Jim Gray in Sacramento. And he showed me an arrangement of Amazing Grace. I think mm. it was in G maybe. And he said, okay, so learn this. And it was starting on fret three. You know? mm-hmm. And I learned it. And I came back the next week. He said, okay, now I want you to rearrange that starting on fret 10 with pedals down. And I was like, you know, mind blown. I'm like, oh, what? You know, but that was a very good way to kind of get introduced to, yeah, all this stuff exists in different places, you know, so Mm -hmm. how do you make that work? You know, how do you make it musical? Well, yeah, I mean, and for me, a standard thing I do to, um, you know, on our instrument technique is, is such a big part of playing, but I really dislike, and, and I've been a music teacher for over 30 years and, um, you know, a guitar instructor, and I really dislike exercises that I call trampoline exercises, which are uh, have no actual musical value, but they're just like working your hands. And, and I know some people think that's really good, and some people don't. I, it's just my own approach. Wait, what why, I like. Why do you nickname them trampoline exercises? Uh, because they're they're they have nothing to do with music. They're like uh, <laughs> they're like physical exercises. Okay. It's like jumping jacks or something. Yeah, you know? I'm and, thinking about like the right hand uh, technique stuff I've been working on on the banjo. It's just like mindless repetition. Right, and there's nothing wrong with that except that it's very easy to find musical things that do the exact same thing, but you're also making music at the same time, so you're killing multiple birds with minimal stones, you know? Um, There's two schools of thought here, and I think they both have validity. You know, one says separate the physical from the musical, and the other one says, no, let's mix them together all the time. I, I go in that camp. Yeah. So what I'll do is I'll take uh, like Charlie Parker um, bebop transcriptions, and I will find parts in in the the transcription where uh, I see that it solves a technical problem I have. Uh, anything from it could be an arpeggio thing. It could be trying to get a bunch of chromatic notes together, which is a real pain, as you know, on our instrument to re- to get it to sound good. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, or, you know, it's a speed thing or whatever it is. And then, I'll, so I'll figure out that little section, and then I play that in 12 keys. Oh. And uh, the way the instrument is laid out on the, this 12-string, much of the stuff can be played in uh, either octave, either on the low strings or on the high strings in the exact same way um, um, some things not so much but there's many things you can do that so I'll go all right here's the lick starting maybe on string um, 10 and then you know here's a lick starting on string six or what you know however I yeah. want to do it and then okay that's an a now I go to D now I go to G now I go to C now I go to F now I go to B flat now I go to E flat all the way through the 12 taking times. it up in fourths yeah yeah I like force because you have to really move to a brand new uh, uh, real estate mm-hmm. looks so different as opposed to half steps or whole yeah. steps it just makes much more sense and music moves in force so much of the time anyway um, I find that for me, 
that gives me two things. It gets me the technique exercise that I desperately need and will... This has just been so humbling. This, anyway, I'm not going to get going on that. But um, well, well, here's a question for you. So I'm thinking about you know making that transition from jazz guitar to pedal steel. First of all, what in the world attracted you to jazz pedal steel? I mean, where where did you? I mean, because you don't really hear much of it. Yeah. Well, it was like remember too that I mean you know I played I, I've played everything uh stylistically speaking i mean for money it just you you name a style i've probably played it you yeah. know i've played at greek weddings i mean you know i mean i've played all kinds of stuff and in fact the first record i bought with my own money i wanted to be like my big brother my brother i knew he was the coolest thing in the world and he had these shirts that said nrps on them and had this like cactus and stuff, and I was like, "Oh wow, this I'm sure really groovy rock and stuff." And says, "New Riders of the Purple Sage, cool." So me and my buddy, we go down to the store, and I said, first money that I'm gonna buy my own damn record with," and I buy this record. It's called Power Glide, and I'm like, "Whoa, Power Glide! This is gonna be <laughs> rock and stuff." And then the first song is called "Dim Lights, Thick Smoke." And loud, loud music. And I'm thinking, yeah, man, you know, this is going to be some rock and stuff. So we put it on. I'm really excited. And what I hear is, bang, 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 you know, <laughs> Buddy Cage, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and I'm, you know, 13 years old or 12 or something. And my first thought was, whoa, did I screw up here? And then over a very short time, I grew to love I wore out that record, you yeah. know. Um, so the pedal steel, as an instrument, pretty early on was in my ears, even though it wasn't, you know, something I, I tried to play. I played a little bit of dobro, but more like a, a bottleneck, you know, blues. Mm -hmm. I played a lot of that. But, uh, okay, so what had happened was my wife and I, uh, we got this, this gift given to us of, of a certain amount of money, a few thousand bucks, and... We were good in terms of bills and stuff. I said, hey, what if we just split this? You take half, I take half. Let's just get something we would never buy. She, okay, cool. So she got this really awesome, powerful, old Singer sewing machine that would do stuff, leather, that she needed to do. And I said, I'm going to get a pedal steel. <laughs> so you both got sewing machines. <laughs> <laughs> yes, man. Yeah, except mine cuts cheese, too. Yes, um, <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so, so I got it and, you know, my first thought was, okay, yeah, you know, country was just what I was thinking. And I quickly found some tabs, quickly found the forum almost right away and joined. And I learned with actually a little Mickey Adams stuff, you know, I learned, um, Panama Red, the intro and... Uh, and at this point, you were playing E9 tuning, or uh, yeah, this is still the extended E9. This is before I did anything else. And then, oh, and I learned uh, that that awesome solo um, from uh, Doug Sam um, from "Is Anybody Going to San Antonio?" I can't remember the name of his player on Ooh, that record. I'll have to look that one up. But it's really it's. 
this particular record's his greatest record ever, Doug Salmon Band. And um, so I learned a couple things. And th- and then, yeah, then, then I realized, well, wait a minute. I mean, I figured out accidentally a couple of sort of jazz things. And I was saying, oh, this is an interesting opportunity because what the steel is is everything that jazz guitar is not uh, sustain. You can get tons of expression in jazz guitar, but it's a different kind of expression. You know, it's not... Um, it, it, it's, you know, uh, just just a different instrument. It's just everything that the jazz guitar isn't, so it would cover a whole set of things that you can only get on guitar if you use a lot of effects, which I usually don't. Um, I use some, but I like, you know, I like jazz guitar to sound like jazz guitar. Um, my taste. So that's when I started down this road towards, you know, the the, the uni towards uh, and ending up on B flat six where I will never stray. Speaking of which, I want to make sure that we put maybe, do you have your copedon written down? Uh, I do have it. Yeah, I can send you that. Yeah, if, I'd like to put it uh, uh, in the show notes just so if people are curious about your tuning or the sure, absolutely. tuning or whatever you oh, want to yeah, call it. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I have Share it. that. Yeah, I'll be happy to, I'll be happy to hook you up with that. Cool. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, by the way, the, just a couple of quick and dirties about that tuning that one of the big advantages is if you already play C6, it's not significantly different. It's just got a couple extra strings. Mm -hmm. And one of the nice things is you get the, and people, I think people who do 12 string C6 do a similar thing where you get that, that, uh, the D is your first string, but you also get the high G, the old style. Mm-hmm. So I have the equivalent of that, except it's step down. So it's 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 really quite it's a it's a really brilliant tuning, and it works for me. Man, it's great. I love it. Yeah, I personally haven't really. I had a double neck for a while, but then I ended up selling it, and I've I've really committed to being an E nine guy. But I just love that tuning. There's so much in there, but every now and then I hear some. C6 stuff, and I'm like, yeah, I should really get one, you know. Well, you know, but the Ena, I'll tell you, I am convinced. I mean, there's stuff I do that I need the E9 bass tuning to some extent to get certain kinds of chords, these certain sort of... Uh, Rick Schmidt kind of hit me to that, that a lot of those... The E9, there's a ton of jazz in that, especially some pretty modern stuff with lots yeah. of suspended, uh, you know, and stacks of force and these very super ultra-modern kind of sounds. Uh, so no problem there. And, and you know, guys like Travis Toy, Travis Toy didn't even own a C6 at this point. And uh, he, he plays tunes. The only thing you lose... I do think you lose a lot in the area of the big chord. Hmm. You know, that's the one thing you don't get. I mean, in terms of, say, jazz. Yeah. it's You just can't do it. Um, does it really matter that much? No, nah, I don't think so. I, E9 is a fantastic tuning. It's not, it's not of great interest to me uh, by itself, uh, but 
I think it is. The people who really know how to work it, it's perfect. So you yeah, got you nothing. Yeah, you got make nothing. magic happen on that. Yeah, and you. I mean, and you can. There's a lot of great tunings out there. Yeah. You know? What's really important, it does make me realize something, though, and that is that uh, even more than on a guitar, on a steel, you have to find the world that suits you. you got to find the place that really works for you and the way you think, hmm. especially if you plan on following a path that is not the standard path. If yeah. you're doing stuff, you know, that isn't classic 60s, 70s, country or whatever you know the things that we most think of when we think of pedal steel guitar you know lloyd green whatever then you really have to find a tuning that that suits your mind because you got to learn the crap out of it you can't yeah just live in okay now i'm going to play this lloyd green lick and i'm going to play this buddy lick now i'm going to play this whatever Mm -hmm. i mean that yeah i mean I i think it's you know it's difficult enough to start playing this instrument even if you are going for classic style. Like you still have to really hunt for teachers and material and knowledge. You know, it's easier now with the steel guitar form because it connects everybody, but it's still like one of those things where, you know, it's not like guitar where you've got a teacher on every corner, it seems like, you know. And you do. And and But then especially when you got someone like you who's in a specialized tuning, who's trying to do a different thing with it, it's like... That's got to be a lonely road. Yeah, it's it's dark out there <laughs> and scary. Um, well, you know, yeah, there's there's a couple people who can help, and and like I'll do things like I've taken a couple lessons uh, and will continue to do so. I take a few lessons with Travis Toy for some technique stuff because I need it bad. Um, I've had lots and lots of talks with David Wright. But, uh, you know, he always says, he goes, you know, the problem is, is this the way, you know, your theory brain, I goes, I don't think that way. I don't have that. So what was cool about Reese, Reese was the perfect guy because he really thought about this stuff. And he and I could talk for hours in a language that even though he didn't call things the way I might call them, you know, he didn't know that this was a 13 flat nine chord or he, well, he, I shouldn't say he didn't know that he wouldn't think of it quite that way. Although he could go through and name what each of the intervals stands for. Mm-hmm. Uh, he just had his own way of thinking about it, but I really miss that. Cause I don't, you know, uh, Jim Cohen and I are great friends, and we we uh, write back and forth all the time with some ideas. Uh, says Abmanson, um, great C6 player from South Africa, it does chord melody things. Um, we we've had some chats, but so yeah, you just gotta go. Out. It's tough. It's tough. Most of what I do, I've figured out. Yeah, but I also am. From my years, I've been a professional musician a really long time. And in, I mean, jazz guitar in itself is an absurd and stupid thing to do with your life. And I, and, <laughs> and have, you got to work forever to be good at it. And, um, you know, it's, 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 it's just not easy. None of it's easy. And, um, I'm, a, almost embarrassed of the amount I practice the steel guitar because it's in the 
some anywhere from the three to six or seven hours a day. Really? Wow. And you know, what I'm I'm very 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 committed. And yeah. as you know, I mean, the problem is like what you just you pointed out. Even no matter what you want out of the steel, if all you want to do is is really play the heck out of um, swinging doors or whatever you want to do. Yeah. It takes a couple of years to suck. Yeah. I saw my friend, uh, you know, do you know Steve Norman? I don't know. Anyway, we're Facebook friends and he's a steel player up in Seattle and he posted something the other day about, you know, rage quitting and (laughs) taking a break and... And uh, somewhere in the comments, he says, yeah, I mean, this is, it's a frustrating instrument because it takes about seven years to suck at it. Yeah, you know? <laughs> exactly. And yeah, and I was being kind to say, too. Uh, yeah, I mean, for, for me, at two years, I was like, all right, I think I know where most of the chords are now. Yeah. yeah. But I couldn't make them musical. I couldn't string them together in a pleasing way. And same here. And the, the tuning, the intonation issue... Yeah. With other people. Yeah. I haven't had that problem, man. I've played a fretted instrument my whole life. And, right. And, yeah. uh, so my ear isn't set up the same way. I think yeah. someone who's like a trombone player would be a better steel player than well, I might have. Do you sing as well? Horribly. Okay, but so not as part of your professional no. life? Okay. No. Yeah. No, that, that would... That helps. I think it would help You know, a lot. because it's... It's the kind of thing, um, like with any non-fretted instrument, I guess, mm-hmm. where you're always sort of evaluating and adjusting, and right. you know, you learn to sort of fit into that space. And I think that is intonation is a whole world of, you know, oh, it's pitfalls. And-, <laughs> and I'll tell you, one of the things I do that Reese would have very much disapproved of, but you know, whatever, you got to find your own path. In fact, most steel players would totally disapprove of this. Is I tune 100% straight up. You do? Every single change, every single tune, every single everything. Wow. It's 100% straight up. And the reason for that is the music I play, there's two things I need from, from an instrument um, that require me to do this. One, every single string and every single chord has to possibly be a root. Right. Right? And if you have a seriously tempered instrument, you you do not have that option. It's right. not it's just I don't care what anyone says, you don't have that option. Uh you know, what's the what's the the great uh Jeff Newman line? We simply don't play those combinations. <laughs> you know, says Pete Burak to me once. <laughs> well, tough. I do. Yeah, and um, also when I'm improvising, I'm not improvising things that are diatonically staying in one key for any length of time. I'm I'm having to deal with stuff that's changing keys constantly, Mm -hmm. and um, I need when I put the bar in a spot, it's got to be the same spot for that pitch as it is over here or is it over there um i never was able to really get that whole 
you know, okay, on this string, when you're playing single notes, which I have to play a lot, if you're playing single notes, okay, on this string, you are this close to the fret. On the next string, you're this close to the fret. On the following string, and without having to go or yeah, 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 or anything like, yeah, I want it because I want it to go da 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 yeah, I don't want it to go wink, wow, hee ho, hee ho, hee to get to those pitches. And so you're constantly having to adjust. So I s- said, you know, there's only one way I'm going to, this is going to work. Now, what I have sacrificed for sure is that, that beautiful, angelic, thing of beatless thirds you know Mm -hmm. the the thing we strive for in our lives are beatless thirds (laughs) um and honestly i just don't give a crap about that what what i care about is every single chord sounding exactly the way i want it to sound in exactly any place and those those beats consistently consistently every place on the neck Um, to that for sure and um you know and even then, you know, do do I sound very good when I play with a band? Well, yeah, sometimes. <laughs> but tuning it tuning it tempered isn't going to make that any better. Trust me, because I went I tried that too, and that. Well, I feel like it. if you commit to that path of like, all right, this is how I'm going to tune, then you learn. You just play how to play that way because, like they say, what is it? They say you have to play the thing in tune anyway. Yeah, I mean that's ultimately no matter what you do, you have to play. Yeah, to make it be in tune. I started right out of the gate with the Peterson temper tuning mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. the Newman preset or whatever it was. Right, and I've never strayed from that. And that's just been a constant <laughs> yeah, yeah. So in you, my life, and it works for me, you know. And and you know, Reese taught me. Uh, the way he tuned, which is very close to just intonation, you know, all with harmonics and and using your ear to tune the beats out of the triads. And, you know, what was it Buddy Evans said about that? He goes, you know, when he went to straight up tuning to the second half of his career, he, he he's tuned everything straight up. And he said... Uh, I sound much worse at home and much better on the stage. Interesting. Um, because he was playing more and more. I mean, he's playing with Danny Gatton and, you know, doing those kind of things. And if you were to really listen to those, to those, I mean, his lines, I mean, boy, he played. I mean, what's cool about him is he sounded great when he tuned tempered and he sounded great when he tuned straight up. Yeah. Um, but when I saw that quote was the one I finally, I just kind of looked up at the sky and I said, Reese, I am so sorry. And, and I really hope that you're not angry, but I need to try this. And, uh, and sure enough, it, it worked for me. Yeah. So we have to all pick our path. Now, as far as your steel influences, I mean, I guess Reese would be way up Reese on is, Reese is high on the list. Um, Buddy Emmons, uh, I mean, it's kind of like saying Buddy Emmons is an influence is sort of like saying yeah, the sky is blue. But, right, right. Uh, you don't even but, need- but particularly, um, 
you know, the, the jazz stuff. In, in an influence, too, not an influence that I want to sound like him or that I want to play. I mean, I pick block almost exclusively, except for the big chords, I almost palm block exclusively. It's not that. I, it's influencing that, wow, you can really do a lot on the instrument, more than that. Yeah. Uh, curly Chalker uh, is fascinating to me. I don't want to sound like him, but I love what he does. I like um, Buddy Cage, his first guy I ever heard. I love, again, I don't play even remotely what he played. Um, Reese is the biggest one. Yeah. For sure. Uh, David Wright, I would love to mix straight ahead country with swing stuff as well as he does and I, and I i try to channel him when i need to do that yeah so so who are you playing steel with these days well i do um i have a quartet with a bass player named tim gilson who plays fretless bass and he's an upright bass player but for this he plays electric fretless uh charlie doggett is a drummer and uh, John Moak, my upstairs neighbor, who's a trombone player. And uh, we always joke that the only person who's in tune is the drummer. So we're telling <laughs> we're, we're saying, oh, yeah, let's, let's get him a set of roto toms so he oh, can be. No, remember those? Don't. don't. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's, uh, that's kind of my main steel outlet is that group. And what's, we play. What's the name of that group? It's the Christopher Wojtok Steel Quartet, we call it. Okay. Um, and we play mostly at uh, Joe Bar in uh, Northwest. That's right next to Papa Haydn's. It's part of Papa Haydn's. Oh. So it's 20, uh, 23rd and Irving. Okay. One of the big advantages I have is I've been a professional musician a long, long, long time. So I know all the best players and play with all the best players in Portland in that field. So all I got to do is say, hey, guys, I have a gig um, and they're like, cool, we'll be there. And by the way, I'm playing steel guitar on it. Uh, okay, no problem. You know, and they show up, where, which a lot of guys who are playing steel don't have that at all. You have to wait till someone, you know, you either go to a steel jam or someone has to hire you because they hear you play steel or yeah. something. My so you're making your own gigs. I just make my own gigs. Which is cool. Which is real cool. And yeah. then... Uh, I've, I've done a few recordings for people. And again, people who know me as a guitar player, because of my reputation as a guitar player, which is relatively good, they figure, well, you know, he says he plays steel, I'll trust him. Yeah. And, you know, um, I play, I, there's a group called Folsom that I play with that I'm sort of the musical director of the band. Uh, basically, I'm the guy, the hot dog in the band. So I play lots of guitar, and I play, a, you know, maybe three or four steel tunes a set. Cool. Um, other than that, well, and you've got your jam of the week. The, you yeah, I usually post stuff play. Online. Sometimes it's guitar, sometimes it's steel. That's right, yeah. and I do that. I love doing that, and that's been that's just on your Facebook page. That's or? just on my Facebook page. Okay. Yeah, and sometimes I. If there's something I really like, I will upload it to YouTube and then post it on the forum. Mm -hmm. You know, cool. but I don't do that that often, just because I'm usually busy practicing. 
That's well, that's a good excuse, right? <laughs> and then you've got your website, which is kind of where all your uh, recordings and, and you've got your show dates yeah, on there. Yeah, yeah. The the place it's weird. I stopped keeping up the calendar on my website. Instead I just put a link to my Reverb Nation page. Okay. Which is much easier to keep the calendar in than my site. I don't it's so much simpler. So uh, if yeah, if you go to Reverb Nation, you type in my name, you'll find my page. And what's your website URL? Uh, it's www.affmusic.com. It stand, actually stands for Always Forever Falling. <laughs> and it, it's a test. And because the main thing was ChristopherWojtok.com is like a People joke. aren't going to be able to stop. Not a chance. Yeah. Uh, not a chance. Uh, I do, by the way own the domain christopherwoytock.com and it will direct you yeah to affmusic.com just in case someone figures. I'm thinking about that cuz I have to set up a website for myself. You're in a similar situation. My name is spelled weird and so I thought well, I'm going to have to set up like three or four alt- like alternate <laughs> URLs and have them all redirect. You do and yeah. you know so yeah so in my mind was based on um, my physical clumsiness. I'm, uh, um, I am, because of a vision thing I have, a monocular, and, uh, I mean, I can see out of both eyes, but my brain shuts off the info to my left eye, and, uh, so my depth perception is pretty weird, Hmm. and, um, I trip a lot, not as much as I used to, but I trip a lot. And so, I, yeah, always forever falling music. Oh, that's you know? funny. <laughs> Do you find that affects anything on the steel? I don't know. Well, well, in some way, like, I can't play steel with my glasses on. Hmm. Um, uh, I have also, just because, you know, I'm, uh, I'm 55, the, I have progressives, mm-hmm. you, know, you know, like, like bifocals. Um, and when you look down at the steel, you are right in the middle of the short and far distance. Yeah. So to me, it it's and being monocular, what it ends up looking like is um, like a bowed. It looks like either end is pointing down towards the ground. Oh, interesting. And it's like uh, as soon as I take them off, I'm fine. Yeah. So when I play, I have to remember. Sometimes I don't, and I'll be in the, I'll be sitting down, I'll be playing, and just, just sucking. Like even worse than I already do, which can be pretty <laughs> intense. Um, and and I take off my glasses, and I'm like, okay. All of a sudden, the band looks over at you, like, thank God. <laughs> they should have a little uh, pole with a hook where they could just... That's right, just live my grandma. <laughs> and they're so nice. Like, I picked guys for the jazz group. I picked guys like... Uh, my Moke is my best friend and, and my upstairs neighbor, which is a nice combo. And uh, Tim Gilson and Charlie Doggett are both two of the sweetest of the really good top notch there's a a group of really good jazz players in portland and they're in that group but they're the nice ones as opposed to the douchebags you know and that counts for a lot it really does (laughs) and i specifically picked them for the steel group because i needed kindness yeah and i told them i said look you guys you know 
uh, how I am. I, you know, I've got a lot of pride because I've been doing this my whole life. At the same time, I'm humbled by this instrument, and I'm not really that good at it. And, you know, can you hang with that? And they're all like, dude, we we are behind you. That's awesome. We will, we will help you, and we... We'll let you know whatever you need to know, and you know, because I can say how's the intonation tonight, and they'll be like, "Dude, it sounds good. Don't worry about it. I love that instrument. You're doing great. Nice job. You know that. Yeah. I, I need that. Yeah. Which is, I'm embarrassed to say, I don't need it as much on the guitar because I know, I know exactly who I am. Uh, they have a thing in uh, AA they call um, being right sized, which mm. is the coolest thing. Which means not too humble and not too braggy. Yeah. You're right size. Like you actually have an idea of who you are. What a great goal for all of us. Totally. Uh, but certainly for musicians, right? So it's good to be humble, but you can carry that too far. You can be too, you know, the audience, you know this one. Someone from the audience walks up and says, man, did you sound good? And you go, what are you talking about? That sucked. Yeah. And you're hurting their feelings, and you're not doing yourself any good, you know. Um, uh, you don't want to be that guy. Yeah. Um, at the same time, you want to know if you do suck, it's really good to know. Yeah. So anyhow, I, I have that more on guitar. On steel, I, I am, I'm sure, overly humble. and But I can hear all the horribleness that comes out of my instrument and how much I can't play. Um, little by little. Yeah. Little by little. But of course, as you say that, I've heard you play. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I've always fun. thought it was great and beautiful. And even at the Steel Jam, when you were there playing those mm -hmm. country tunes, man, you could hang. I was, I was really impressed. I'm like, oh, I really didn't think of you as a country player. I mean, you know, for obvious reasons. Yeah. But I thought... You sounded great. Oh, so thank you, Brian. don't be too hard on yourself. <laughs> no, I won't. But it, I understand that as being like a lifelong musician, and you've created this, you know, reputation as a jazz guitarist, mm -hmm. and now you're you're just going. Well, I'm doing this other thing that I'm fairly beginner at compared to where it, that it's it's hard because you're like, well, I have a reputation in this town. Yep. You know, it's brutal. Yeah. And the you know the good news. Uh, yeah, this is one of those times, though, where um, I have played and loved and actually been obsessed with so many different kinds of music since I first picked up guitar, including country, bluegrass, all that stuff. It was very, very important to me for several years of my life. So at least I'm not like coming at it from the place of a guy who's done nothing but play jazz his whole life, and someone says, "Here, play a country tune," right? And you know what that's gonna sound yeah. like, you know? Yeah. So, so I have some. I mean, I have the music's in there. The music's in there. Yeah. So, thank you, though. It's very I appreciate. <laughs> well, you know, I was gonna mention that something you might think about because I know you obviously are a teacher mm -hmm. and you do, I assume, individual lessons mm -hmm. on guitar. Yeah. Uh -huh. Have you ever done any teaching on? on the steel because you've got the specific I skill have, set now. Yeah, I have done a little bit. Um, there's a couple of guys um, who've taken a couple of lessons from me. and um, Are they playing the same tuning as you? or how uh, No, totally different tuning. Uh, but wanting to know more about how to play jazz. And the only problem we sometimes run into 
is um, the tunings being different can be a thing. Mm-hmm. And the, especially the 10 string versus 12 string is surprisingly more of a pain than you would think. Yeah. I, um, but also steel guitar players, so many steel guitar players have learned and approached the instrument from a very scattered kind of musical, particularly in the area of theory, a hmm. uh, pretty scattered approach, you know, where they've learned stuff and they figure things out and they have learned from this book or that book and they have some, and most of them play great. It has none to do with their playing. But they're saying, okay, no, we want to know really how do you play over, you know, um, bebop tunes, or how do you play over this? How do you, how do you really get the sound? I'm like, well, okay, first of all, uh, you know, you got to know what each one of those notes is, and you have to know what each one of those notes function is, and you have to be able to play, uh, find the third and the seventh to every chord, and you have to learn how to be able to resolve and from the seventh to the third of each chord, and blah, 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 blah. And, I mean, there's a lot of eye glazing going on pretty fast, and I, and I have been teaching this stuff for years and years and years, so I, I can do it in a way that's relatively painless, but I think... Uh, some of the steel guys I've talked to have had a harder time with that. And yeah. part of that's, and, 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 and that's as much my not realizing the situation as it, it's nothing on them. It's, yeah. right, I'm sure I'll, I'll take the hit for that. But I, well, I mean, everybody comes at it with a different level of experience. And, and, and I've taught people from dead beginners to very experienced professional jazz guitar players. So, I mean, I'm used to that. Yeah. But with steel, it's such a different thing. But, yeah. but yeah, no, I plan to do more of that and start... Um, the better I get at the instrument, the better I can... I'll be able to teach people. Yeah. I think. But, oh, yeah. No. Do you find that, you know, coming from a, such a guitar background, do you find a difference in the personalities of steel players? Oh, yeah. You mean, <laughs> you mean compared to guitar players? Yeah, yeah. Oh, night and day. So uh, I, I, know, I know how I feel about that, but wh- how do you, you know, what do you see there? Well, one thing is what I, part of what I just said, that there is a, um, this is not meant to be uh, insulting in any way. So I should say that in advance that I find there are a lot more steel players who are really not just playing by ear, which is, of course, all musicians, hopefully, including the greatest classical music, we all play by ear. Even if we're looking at a piece of music, right, you still got to hear it. So it's a stupid thing. But there can there is an element in the steel guitar world that is almost virul- virulently against music knowledge hmm. where they actually get i've had gotten fights on the forum with people about this stuff you know that where where they're um uh, actually you know they'd love to quote that horrible horrible quote the one that uh, someone asked Chet Atkins there's like five different people that people say, but Chet Atkins is the one who who gets the credit. They go and say, can you read music? And he says, not enough to hurt my playing. Right. 
right? That pisses me off. That yeah. actually makes me want to hit people. I mean, like, and I'm not a violent dude. <laughs> but, but it's like, why would you purposely be ignorant? Why yeah. would you do that? I don't care if you're ignorant or not. And, and if I had to pick, if I had to choose uh, having a great ear or uh, being able to have this massive theoretical knowledge, if you had to choose, duh, you would choose having a great ear, of yeah. course. But you don't have to choose. You can have it all. Yay. Yeah. But so that is a difference because I see a lot. There's a lot of guitar players like that too, by the oh, way. Oh, yeah. Tons. Tons. But uh, I really see it in the steel world. Um, that's the closest to a negative thing I found. Yeah. The, the good news and the part that absolutely blows my mind about steel players, and I love this, man. What a community. There yeah. is, I have yet to meet a steel player, and I'm sure there are some, but I have yet to meet a steel player that won't stop what he's doing and help you out. Yeah. And who will, um, you know, who offer you anything, come over to your house, teach you something, or talk to you on the phone for hours about the stupid instrument. Make you a great cup of coffee. Make you, oh, yeah, I hear that. Turn people. you on to the AeroPress, which has changed my life <laughs> for the better. <laughs> These are all things you've done for me. Oh, I see. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, the, and the other thing is you get to, you don't even know this yet, but you're going to, you get to walk out with a little, with some, some freshly roasted beans as well. Ooh, so, well, you know, what a bonus. Yeah, so, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, you know, I mean, it, it is so, so much more of a community than yeah. that, and the uh, the upper upper level uh, of the steel players, the the famous guys the, yeah. that we all look up to, are totally accessible. Totally. Yeah. I mean, you know, I called up Herbie Wallace, talked to him for an hour and a half. Yeah. I, Buck Reed more than once has talked to me just just to answer a couple of dumb questions I had. You yeah. Know? Yeah, because uh, they're they're just guys, you know, and they've they've been there. They've been where we are, which is like, and can you please help me? And that is <laughs> you know? not true in the guitar world at all. The upper level of guitar players, they are there's a wall between you and them so far that yeah. if you get through it, you're lucky. I was lucky. I got a, I was able to study with Jim Hall, who's one of the grand old men of jazz guitar, you know, um, because I got the phone number from a guy and I called at the right time. And, yeah. But that's rare. Well, because there are so many more players, and so going many. for all the same jobs, oh, you know, yeah. like you don't necessarily want to give the competition a leg up. Not really. But in the steel world, it's a little bit more like, "Come, brother, one of us," you know. Yes. Kind of you know, I'll tell you, that's one thing with Larry um, in our town. Yeah. Um, I love that attitude and he always talks like that he talks about the brotherhood the brotherhood of steel, of steel. yeah we had larry on the show and uh, called that episode larry bim and the brotherhood of steel <laughs> yeah and 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 you know he is i mean that's beautiful and you know i have found that what's also fascinating is politically there is a giant part of the steel community whose politics and mine are polar opposites. Yeah. And yet we're able to 
to function and love each other and be close. And you know, it has done more for my acceptance. This is going to sound really weird, but it's done more for my acceptance of people with different beliefs than mine. I know exactly. Than what any you mean. other single thing in my life. Yeah. To where I can go hang with people who uh, believe in things that that I really never will and don't, and used to have like knee-jerk angry reactions towards you know what i mean yeah like oh i hate you people because you think this and it's helped me learn how to accept everybody yeah to some extent as long as they're not in my face or trying to hurt me I, i'm i'm whatever you believe man it's cool yeah and steel guitar communities taught me that um it's amazing actually if you think about it yeah <laughs> Well, we're coming to the end here, so I'm going okay. to ask uh, what is usually my final question. What do you think is going to be the future of steel guitar? Mm. If you had to you know, predict. It's a tough one because until they find a way to make a good instrument that doesn't cost thousands of dollars yeah. to get started... Um, and I don't think they ever come. I don't know if that's even possible. It's really hard to get a lot of people into it. I don't really care if a lot of people play or not, but I think increasingly so many of these guys are out there now playing really interesting left of center things on the instrument that, um, I, I, I think we're going to see. Because of the unfortunate lack of steel in modern country music, there has to be another place. And the more we hear steel, uh, quick and dirty might be Daniel Lenoir. You know, I know that that can be a hot button issue for some people. But yeah. guys who are saying, whoa, this is like the best ambient instrument in the world. I'm waiting to hear the EDM guys get a hold of this. Yeah. If they get a hold of steel guitar. There are a few examples of that. Okay. Because yeah. yeah. that is going to be, man. You get you get steel going with EDM, and because steel can handle effects better than any other instrument, yeah. I don't know another instrument that is better at putting handling effects. And it can it's a it's great raw material for that stuff. Oh you know? yeah. yeah. So I just think it's going to keep coming out there. People like Robert Randolph will turn on people to some extent uh, to be able to kind of shred and be wild and crazy a little bit i don't see that as really a future so much as just like an ongoing part yeah of it. just something it's that people just, get excited about yeah and it's another part of it but um i think the more if there are more people who are already established on playing other instruments get turned on mm -hmm. to steal that can be a big big plus because like my community these guys have never even seen a steel guitar. Right. And these are all lifelong musicians. And these are music guys have been playing their whole lives. Yeah. And, and I mean, I, you probably get that. I get it. And maybe every other show, someone's like, wow, what is that? I've never even seen that before. Always get that. And it's always. Like, yeah. Because I'm so connected to it and so deep into it, I'm like, 
Wow, you don't even know what that is. And I mean, I don't, I don't feel like you know judgmental because no, I know a no, lot of people. Yeah. I didn't know what it was until I was twenty six or something, you right. know. And, but I'm always like, yeah, it's a pedal steel guitar, and you know, if they're any more curious about it, like, well, how does it work? I'll be like, come on over yeah. here, you know. <laughs> Let's, said, you really you know, want something fun? Look underneath. Yeah, That's exactly. What I was telling them, yeah. like, whoa. I know people are just yeah. Those are usually the two reactions. Are they're like, wow, that you know, like that's so cool. They're like, holy crap, I'm not. I don't want to think about this, you know, yeah, right, it's right. too this, much, this is too you know. Much. Yeah. So, anyway, but thanks. Thanks for having me, man. Thank you so okay. much.
podcast product reviews. All right. This month we are reviewing uh, a new string company, relatively new, called Stringjoy, based out of Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to remember how I found out about them. I think it was probably a, a Facebook ad or something like that. And, uh, you know, I'm always interested in new stuff. So I went and looked at the site and uh, appears to be a small company um, making handmade guitar strings. Now you guys know I like to get nerdy, but uh, the the vagaries of string design bore even me. So <laughs> I, if you're into that kind of thing, I would encourage you to go to their website, stringjoy.com, and read about you know exactly how their strings are made. But you know this is a, a boutique, uh, small company that makes very nice guitar strings. So anyway, I, I uh, sent them a message. They have kind of this uh, automated thing on their Facebook page where you sort of do like a chat bot thing and then eventually a real person responds if you need actual help. And uh, I just said, hey, you know, uh, I'm interested in your strings. I'm a pedal steel guitar player. Do you make custom sets? Do you make strings for steel guitar? And they said, the guy, actually Scott, the owner of the company, wrote me back and said, hey, um, no, we, we haven't targeted anything toward pedal steel players, but if you send me your string gauges, I'll send you a set of the uh, the nickel strings and you can try them out on the steel and you know, let me know what you think. And I told him I wanted to do a, a demo a review for the podcast. So uh, the strings arrived, I think, maybe two days later. It was really, really quick. And as soon as I got them, you know, the packaging, I just thought, man, these are boutique strings because the packaging just looks really nice. Everything, there was like a handwritten thank you note. It's like, wow, <laughs> you know, boutique. So uh, I spent a few hours cleaning up the steel and uh, actually took that day to... Uh, to you know, oil my my tuning machines and get the Q-tip, uh, get all the dust from underneath the tuning tuning pegs and everything like that. So I, I kind of spent some quality time with the steel that day and uh, put the strings on. I put them on. This is my main guitar, the Emmons Single Twelve Push Pull Extended E9, and I actually had uh, a recording scheduled that day for this uh, country song. So uh, I put them on, and the, the date was actually July 31st. I have it here on my Pro Tools file. And I recorded uh, a song, and including a lead for this uh, country song. So I thought what I'd do is, uh, because it's really hard to, to demo strings, because, you know, they just sound like strings. Like, how do you, <laughs> you have to have something to compare it to. Uh, so what I decided to do was, basically live with the strings for a while. I've had them on, on the steel since July 31st. As I record this today, it's November 5th. So just over three months, so an entire season. And I've been playing a lot. I did a month-long tour with Emma Hill. I've been doing some recording and, you know, just other random stuff here and there. So I have been playing a, a good amount, what I would consider, you know, for me, like a heavy amount of playing. For three solid months with these strings on here, I don't really do anything special to them. I don't, uh, I, don't I guess I should, but I don't wipe them down after I play. I don't use any special kind of cloth or fast fret or treatment or anything like that. So these are just like pretty much, you know, worst case uh, scenario road tested for for three solid months. So what I thought I'd do is pull up that thing I recorded back on July 31st and play it again. Now these strings are three months old. They've been broken in and, you know, rode hard and put away wet. And uh, and so I'm going to play for you 
uh, both versions. This is just soloed because you know it's, this is this artist's song, so I don't really it's not released yet, so I don't really have the rights to uh, to put the song itself. But uh, I'm just gonna play for you the soloed pedal steel solo. That sounds funny, but you know what I mean. The pedal steel on its own without the backing track. Um, so I'm not gonna tell you which one I'm playing first. So it's either the day the strings were installed or three months and five days later. <laughs> uh, so here's the first one. And here's the other one. Now, I... I don't envy you guys because I, I find it hard to tell <laughs> the difference, especially, you know, I mean, it's going through all the same exact stuff. Uh, basically, my signal chain is uh, the Hilton volume pedal straight into the uh, Avid 11 rack that I use. I'm using like a, a twin reverb setting with a uh, little bit of delay and just a little bit of saturation on the way in. No, not a, like a distortion pedal, but just uh, just hitting the amp simulation. Um, and also, I'm going to go ahead and put these two files in the show notes. So if you go to pedalsteelpodcast.wordpress.com and go to the show notes for this episode, you'll see them there. Uh, so you can actually, you know, sit there and AB them and see if you can tell the difference. But I got to say, I thought I was going to hear a pretty major difference. Um, and, you know, there's a, a slight difference, but it is really, really, really minuscule. And I have not been gentle with these strings. I've been playing all the time. Like I said, uh, when I play with Emma Hill, I have a song where I do bar crashes every night. So I'm slamming the bar down on the strings, kind of like I did in that solo. And these strings have really uh, stood up to the test. I haven't broken one yet, and it's been three months, which is longer than I about double what I usually go on on changing my strings. I try to do it every month if I'm being good, but uh, I was not. I was not being good, and you know, I was you know I was doing a science project for you guys. So, uh, so there you have it. String Joy strings. Um, they, like I said, are not really marketing these towards pedal steel players but they seem interested in doing so. So I'm going to um, contact these guys, send them this review, and uh, yeah, get in touch with them. They can, uh, they can do a custom set for you. The prices are reasonable, and the strings hold up. They're roadworthy for sure. And that has been episode 12 of the Pedal Steel Podcast. Thanks for hanging out with us. Uh, remember, we do have some new episodes coming up soon with the great Paul Franklin. So uh, the best way to stay on top of everything uh, Pedal Steel Podcast related is to go over to Facebook, uh, search for the Pedal Steel Podcast, hit that like button, 
and then you will see all the updates and uh, new episodes as they come out. Sometimes I will post some links and fun things I think you guys will enjoy. Until next time, I'm Brian Dast. Thanks for listening.